0: Hey everybody, you are listening to Canary Cry Radio, and my name's Basil.
1: And this is Gons. Welcome to episode number 134.
0: It just keeps rising, baby. And uh, this episode, we have an awesome debrief session with Carl Tycrib, who led the camp of the unknown God into the Burning Man. That's right. You've been hearing about it for quite a while now, and we are uh, just dumping a whole bunch of Burning Man material on you this week. So we hope that you're ready. Hopefully, Patreon supporters, you've already made it over to... uh, your Patreon podcast feed. We've got some awesome, awesome bonus material there. I sit down with Gons and give him all my thoughts and experiences from uh, participating in the Burning Man thing, as well as a very special uh, audio experience where I jumped on my bike and I did so much exercise for you guys. I rode my bike for an hour down the road at Burning Man to give you an audio experience. I'm just a man on a bike and wrapped in a white bed sheet, talking into a microphone. Which might be weird other places, but really here, this is pretty tame. Like I said, we're dumping a lot of Burning Man information on you. And I thought it would be important for you to get the opportunity to listen to what it's like to ride your bike down the road of Burning Man for a whole hour don't worry i do some talking i do a lot of explaining and uh you'll hear a marching band you'll hear me almost get hit by a 30 foot tall pig car uh oh there's another art car coming my way it is big it's a big one it looks like a pig a giant pig coming straight for me this might be the end folks oh what a soundtrack to go out on too but before that Or after that, you are here to listen to Carl Tykrib, where we get the boots on the ground reporting. He brings the debrief, and boy, howdy, is there some interesting stuff to hear. Um, We hope you guys enjoy it. We get into the culture of Burning Man, we get into the messaging of Burning Man, and Carl even uh, infiltrates some secret meetings at Burning Man, and uh, we just hope you guys are edified and learn something. Learn something about what happens when a bunch of hippies go out in the desert. But hey, if you want to get access to that bonus material, head over to patreon.com slash canarycryradio. You'll get my experience in the audio tour. And hey, head over to iTunes, leave us a rating and a review if you enjoy the material we're putting out. But I think that's all we're going to say for today, guns. So, Let's uh, let's just roll on into it. Here's Carl Tykrib from the Camp of the
2: Unknown God.
1: Strap in, baby.
2: I realize that this is part of life. This is just how spirituality is. My solution is Christ. Of course he is, but My second solution is Ayahuasca. I did 24 ceremonies and this is the reason why I am not afraid anymore. Because I am, I know that we are light beings and that we are love. And they cannot break us. Because if these demons wanted to kill me, they had to do it already. And they didn't. They are just trying to influence my behavior and my thoughts so that I'm choosing the wrong direction, you know, the dark side. And This is what happens in people's life. They are afraid and scared and they are just a slave for their own fear. And so Ayahuasca helped me during this process and I'm not saying that you should do this, I'm just sharing my experience, sharing my story. As I said, I'm still possessed, I'm still under attack. This is daily habit for me, uh, but I'm working on it.
3: Christ Consciousness. Christ was not a person. This is what we have to understand. Christ Consciousness was a huge group consciousness. Now, what you're calling Jesus, which is the person that the Christ Consciousness funneled itself through as a channel, basically, was just the first person to bring Christ Consciousness down to the planet. That's all that person was. Christ consciousness, which is the most important thing to understand because it is making a massive resurgence at this time on the planet. They attempt to separate Jesus from Christ. Everybody has a Christ consciousness. It got real popular here in the States where Deepak and Oprah Winfrey brought him on and you'll hear Oprah speaking about Christ consciousness. But they use a lot of terminology that's Christian or that comes from the Bible but it
4: doesn't
0: mean the same thing. This is Canary Cry Radio. Didn't we just have Carl? T- wasn't it just like two episodes in a row that had Carl Tyker But You are correct. But that is because he is now back from the burning of the man to give his uh, report to the rest of us. And many of you by now have heard my uh, introduction to my explanation of Burning Man over on the Patreon page. But, uh, you know, Carl's a professional. And so we're going to get a firsthand look at specifically this year's theme, iRobot. And everything going on there. Guns? Yes.
1: I was not there.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to make it awkward and let everybody know. Um, uh, me the, and Carl. I'm the, yeah.
1: I'm the outcast me, here.
0: Yeah. Carl and I, we've been to the burn, man. So, like, we've been through a lot together. You guys are you know? initiated. Yeah. So. You know things <laughs> that I don't. So, speaking of which. Um, everybody, welcome the wonderful Carl Tykreb. What's up, buddy? <laughs>
3: Hey, you guys are a hoot. This is awesome. <laughs> a professional, wonderful, wow. Uh, where do I send the check? <laughs>
0: yeah. We are nothing if not professionals, Carl. And uh, well, we're so happy to get you on here. I know there, there are lots of programs trying to get you on. And uh, it's been a couple weeks now since Burning Man. And uh, we are appreciative of you make, making priorities, making good choices, Carl, coming on this show <laughs> to tell the story of uh, what happened. We've got uh, a lot of people who have been following along with all the Burning Man updates in the in the episode we did beforehand, and uh, they're just itching to hear, itching to hear what happened when he came back. So give us a little give us uh, well, first of all, let's start at the end. You're back okay. and you're safe,
3: so that's yes. important. that was good. I mean that's that's a good that's a good start to an ending. <laughs> <laughs> We're super meta on this program. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, returning home it was like a two and a half day three day run coming home uh, and and being in the car for that time it, it was it was nice to be able to. To use that that time to kind of think about what you just saw, uh, run through some of the conversations in your mind. And we made a, a number of, of good contacts at the burn, and uh, kind of considering where that, that might go. So uh, it was nice to be able to just get away from it all in the car and go down the highway, not worry about things that way. Back towards um, civilization. <laughs> well, if you guys saw where I lived, you'd just be saying, hey, this is the burn without the desert. So, <laughs> there's no civilization here. <laughs> but As hey, a natural. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, one thing I do want to say off, right, right off the cuff here, guys, is I, I just want to throw a, a big thank you to your Canary Cry audience for the support they showed as Jen, myself, and, and my friend Bob uh, went out to the burn to set up our Camp of the Unknown God. Um, it was a, an intense week as we had dozens and dozens and dozens of conversations with people in our camp, outside of our camp. A lot of the conversations were really uh, they were really good I don't think we had a single person who was, who was really hostile to what we were saying. We had a lot of people who were, uh, who, who, who were genuinely interested in talking about spiritual things, uh, and they didn't shy away when we brought up the fact we were Christians mm. and, and bring that in, in, into the conversation. And so, you know, the, the one thing with the burn, and this was year two for us, setting up our camp of the unknown God. Last year was more or less a, a test case. Is this is this something that works? does the the Pauline model of Act 17 does mm. that work and it does work absolutely because you're entering their world your your understanding and you need to understand their context you understand their worldview and you treat them with respect uh, but at the same time you engage them in, in conversations that, that they that they want to have. And, and you see that actually with Acts 17. Paul engages with the philosophers of the day, and they want to talk. They want to hear what Paul has to say. Um, and so... It, it, I think it's a model for us as we enter what is essentially a new pagan age for the Western world. I mean, we've rejected Christianity. It's not secular humanism and atheism that's filling in the filling in the vacuum, filling the gap. That's there, but that's only a little part of it. I think, a, more in a more broad sense, it's it's a pagan worldview of the idea of God, man, and nature being essentially one. Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah, and if for anybody who, maybe this is your first episode listening to Canary Cry, or maybe you didn't hear the episode with Carl, that was two episodes, 132 is right before Burning Man, and uh, if it, you are welcome to stop this episode and go back and listen to that one first, it'll give you a good rundown of uh, sort of an intro as to what Carl um, and his team was out there doing. Now, Carl, um, one thing that has now become public is uh, I ended up being able to come out there and meet up with you guys a little bit. Um, the, 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 I, I, like I mentioned before, I am giving some uh, my own rundowns over on the Patreon page, but uh, I was able to meet up with you guys your, and your team uh, a couple of times. One thing... Was I got there a couple days late, and finding anybody who you are trying (laughs) to find out there? Yeah, there's a reason it takes. It took me like three or four days to make it out there. I was gonna,
1: I was gonna ask because this, this was part of I think many people's curiosities is like, what, what is the journey like to get out there? And if you, you guys are patrons, you can hear Basil's. Trek towards uh, the camp and how it's all organized, but uh, that that was all fascinating to me. But I think you know, people that are, are curious, what is it like? Is is it literally like you cross this line and you're on this dirt road in the desert and and you go hunting for these you know big hubs of uh, you know people gathering for this thing, or you know what's the experience? What's what's that transition from uh, more or less civilization to a an, an environment that is? Uh, supposedly, a whole different world.
3: Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I, I, part of it is yes, you you are in an environment that is completely different, that is foreign. Um, the desert, the Black Rock Desert in particular, is a very unique place, and so you're camping on an alkali desert. You're camping camping on an alkali lake bed, and uh, you you drive off the pavement, and uh, I mean. The, the town of, of Gerlach, which is your last town before uh, Burning Man, before the Black Rock Desert, is, is not much of a town, about 250 right. people. It's kind of the same community that I that I live in, uh, just a little village out in the middle of nowhere. And and you, you get off the pavement and you put your car onto this lake bed and they mark a road out. Uh, and... Uh, you know It's multi-lanes wide, and you pick a lane, and you, so you sit there. You sit there in the dust, and you wait until eventually you get into the gate. Now, I know, Basil, you caught in a, a day or two later on Sunday, the day that Bob and I got in. We got on the playa. We got on the desert at uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. We pretty well immediately got hit with a massive sandstorm. The dust storm lasted a solid three or so hours. Wow. They shut the they shut the gate down because it was a white it was whiteout conditions. You couldn't see much past the hood of your car, and uh, we sat out there in the dust storm uh, with fifty mile an hour winds and. Uh, so yeah, and, you're immediately yeah. in
1: this apocalyptic environment. You're, you're in Mad Max. You step yeah, into it, Mad Max. It's just all there immediately. It
3: kind of it kind of has that feel because immediately <laughs> within minutes, your car is covered in dust. You're covered in dust. uh Everything around you is gray. And uh, we ended up sitting in line because I mean, you know, the dust storm was there and it set everything back, but. Sunday is when people pile in. Mm. Uh, we sat there from 2 in the afternoon. We didn't get into our camping site until 11 o'clock at night.
1: Yeah, so that, that makes sense why Basil had his experience, which, which, again, patrons,
0: you might want to check it out. Uh, I told the story of me wandering around in the apocalyptic dust storm. This is a good time.
1: Yeah, well, I'm, uh, I'm, but also getting in and, and your experience getting into the place.
0: Oh, yeah. Much different experience than that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious, because uh, I missed the few first days looking for you guys. In fact, in my uh, my hour-long audio tour that I just hopped on a bike with a microphone and recorded my audio tour of Burning Man, I did stop by your camp twice looking right. for you. <laughs> and I put it in that audio tour so there would be evidence if I never saw you, you could you could know that I was looking for you. It wasn't just basil. It's a scam. <laughs> yeah, Basil went to Burning Man. Was said he was going to meet up with Carl and just disappeared into um, the madness.
3: And, and you know, it was so good when we did have a chance to meet up and and spend some time. Uh, just getting to see you in person. It was it was excellent. We really That's, enjoyed that. That that doesn't
0: happen all the time, but you know, a lot of a lot of weird stuff happens at the burn.
3: Well, you know, and and the part of the problem is just trying to locate people. I mean, you got eighty thousand people, seventy thousand paying participants, and roughly ten thousand volunteers. That's what it was this year. So you're looking at you're looking at eighty thousand people. You're you're in a compacted city. Uh, It's all you know. You got grids and street layouts, but even that. I mean, you can wander and look for people, you can have their coordinates and never find them because you may be off somewhere else looking at art, going to workshops. You could even just simply be around the, the tent on the other side and, and you might not necessarily find them. Uh, yeah. I, spent, I spent Sunday looking for friends that I had made last year. And uh, I was able to connect with them. And, and here's sometimes how things kind of work on the playa. Um, I knew that my friends from last year were somewhere in the city. We had been trying to connect. Uh, we had had a real hard time, as you know, getting any type of cell signal. It's an analog tower. So everything is just clogging that tower. You know, you're looking at two, three, four hours to get a silly text out sometimes. Yeah. And we couldn't connect, couldn't connect, couldn't connect. And I'm like, I know they're here. I know they're in this city, and I want to find them. And I'm bicycling down uh, K Street, and all of a sudden... I, I, I run by this guy, and and his name is Paul. He's from he's my friend from last year. He's he's from France. And Paul looks at me and yells, "Carl!" I'm like, "Paul!" We just chuck our bikes down, and we give ourselves each a big hug, and and we start yakking. And uh, I go to their camp the next day, which which was Sunday. I mean, literally the last day of you know the second last day of the burn because Monday is technically the last day. And we're like. We have been trying all week to get a hold of each other, and it took a chance encounter on K Street with our mm. with each other riding our bikes by each other, where we went, "Oh, we just ran into each other!" I mean, <laughs> that's how it <laughs> wow. connected, which yeah. was really cool.
0: Yeah, Oh, and that's really the only way it can happen. I think one of the times that I met up with you guys, you were just like just riding up or something. Yep. Um, yeah. Now, one of the things that was spe- really, I mean, special to this program. <laughs> about Burning Man this year was the theme of iRobot. And uh, for those who listened to the last episode that we had with you there, um, you were out there to do some worldview research. And this one was especially interesting to me, which is part of the reason I made it out there, was iRobot being the theme, and it was very much about uh, kind of the transcendent quality of the relationship between Man and machine. Um, did that theme make it into your research at all? Was there uh, was there an element of that? I mean, I definitely want to talk about the art and the the workshops, which I think you actually got to go to a little bit better than I did. Um, really based around that theme of I robot and 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 talking about that relationship as we move into the future.
3: Right, and a lot of the art pieces were dedicated to to the theme of of robotics, uh, where artificial intelligence might take us. This this what is this relationship between man and machine? And I spent a lot of time on the playa, just checking out, you know, checking out the artwork, checking out what is the message being purveyed? What is you know what are you preaching to me through your artwork? And. Yeah. You know, some some of it was just fun. Some of it was silly. Uh, some of it was really serious, where where you, you know you're asking the question. The art was asking the question: What ultimately will this relationship look like? Uh, is man the uh, you know overlord over the machines, or is our machinery, is our artificial intelligence the overlord of man? Uh, what what direction are we going? And and the workshops too. Uh, I attended quite a few workshops, especially in the last uh, three, four days of the event, because that's really when the workshops get, you know, kind of kick into high gear. Uh, so I attended a number of the Palenque Norte lectures, uh, which for me is is kind of an important deal, as that's where the, the psychedelic and the technological community kind of come together hmm. uh, and, and talk about how uh, AI, psychedelic substances, and new spirituality kind of coalesce. Uh, One of the workshops I attended, which was in I believe it was, uh, it wasn't at the Planck and Norte lecture, it was, it was in an, another spot, I think Siberia, uh, was a discussion of AI and the future, and it's centered around artificial intelligence, cryptocurrencies, and what spirituality would look like. And this was given, I'm not going to give the name, because if you're at all involved in the cryptocurrency community, and you guys are, you'll know the name the moment I say it, uh, because he's well, well recognized. Uh, he's uh, one of the big, big players. And he was leading the discussion... Uh, along with his wife and uh, really asking the question uh, where does ai artificial and you know artificial intelligence and, and and cryptocurrency where does this intersect and how does this intersect specifically around uh, spirituality he had just come back from a four day ayahuasca ceremony so he was pretty pretty stoked about what he had just encountered go wow man you can't uh,
1: wow okay go ahead
3: yeah so he was pretty, pretty excited about what he had just encountered because, I mean, this is spirituality, especially for your Silicon Valley tech sector, uh, the whole microdosing aspect of it. And I went to workshops on microdosing, too, and we'll talk a little bit about that because there was some interesting stuff that popped up. But really, he was, he was, he was kind of looking at how, to, how will cryptocurrency uh, how can we marry that or blend that into social, kind of social themes, social structures? How will this become the license for us to, to engage in social activity? Uh, how will artificial intelligence therefore kind of kind of run the platform? And and where will we turn in terms of our spirituality? How will all this kind of blend together? Um, I, I mean, I wrote down pages of notes. As, as he was basically talking about creating, a, a, you could almost say, a new operating system for civilization, where blockchain becomes uh, the exchange, but the exchange is tied into artificial intelligence, which will help monitor our social behaviors, right. and what is accepted or not accepted uh, will, will finally, you know, cryptocurrency will be that final... Um, the way of buying or selling, whether you're depend, you know, where, where you fit in terms of, of how socially accepted you're, you are and how your spirituality will, will kind of play into all of this. And he was, using, he was using Burning Man as that model for how we want to conduct uh, you know, a, a civilization, what the social uh, operating system will be. It will be uh, the Burning Man culture. That's, that's the take that he was, he was giving
1: it's almost like a, uh, the burning man itself the people congregating is like its own uh, creation of its own circuitry kind of you know becoming the nodes so to speak um but it, it, that that verifies so much of of what age of deceit 3 is about and and man it just gives me chills listening to you talk about that uh, th- this idea of um cybernetic corporate nation states i think a lot of nations are going to be swept up with, with some of these technological yes. ai based um structures like corporate structures that are ai run and and they'll run a lot of things you know and and yes. and this is uh, it'll replace politicians it'll be much more transparent so there is an efficiency aspect to this that will probably you know help thrive so to speak in in, in those communities or whatever but I, the fact that the burning man culture is being celebrated as the the vehicle to bring this to the masses is uh yeah something to take note
3: oh absolutely you know, because what we're talking about is digital democracy yeah uh, You know, is a type of digital democracy, and democracy here, uh, in the sense where 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 the where the mob rules, but the mob will rule uh, based on a new social construct, and that social construct, at least in terms of their minds, is being is being fleshed out in real time at the burn.
1: Yeah, and a lot of what I what I heard from Basil was just thematically, you know, the iRobot theme, but also just everybody living out sort of their sci-fi experience. Like the, the, right. it's like a big Halloween party sci-fi version in the desert type yep. of thing. Feel that that's kind of the vibe I was getting, but what, what, what did you see in terms of, uh, you know, sociologically the, the people there, uh, you know, what, what were, what were they there for? You know, were, were they, we talked about some of that, you know, before how some people were seeking a spiritual experience. Some people were there just to blow off steam. Uh, what kind of people did you run into when you were there?
3: You know, uh, for for myself and and Basil, we'll run into. I mean, we, you run into people from every, every, literally every nation, uh, every every demographic. Uh, this year, we spent quite a bit of time with with people just around the camps uh, that 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 were parked, you know, parked near us. And we had we had a, another group of friends that were with us that were parked diagonal from us. And uh, for the the space of that week. We, we spent a lot of time. We actually had a kind of our own little tribe going, probably of 12, 15 people sometimes. A lot of them were first time burners, and uh, they were just coming to, to check the place out. They, you know, they had heard about it, they wanted to experience it. And in fact, one guy, uh, I'll just mention his first name, his name is Adam. He hung uh, hung with us for the week. Uh, great guy. I just really, really appreciated spending time with Adam. Fantastic fellow. Um, Halfway through the week, we were, you know, Adam and I were riding out in the deep playa. It was late at night. I think it was Wednesday or Thursday. It was like two o'clock in the morning, kind of thing. And and uh, I said, to him, I said to him, I said, "What's wrong with you, man? I mean, what's wrong with you? You, you you're a first time burner. You have got everything under the sun accessible to you. Whatever carnal pleasure is here, you know. I mean, there's just stuff happening. You could be anywhere." And here you are, you're hanging out with a bunch of Christians. Uh. (laughs) That's what what you're doing this week. You're hanging with a bunch of Christians. And he's like, I'm learning from you guys. I'm learning so much. And that was, hey, just for that contact and that friendship that we developed with Adam and others, uh, David as well from Italy, my goodness, that itself right there was worth it.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Very cool. you know that is that is kind of one of the things you meet so many different people, and you realize that's kind of when I realize. I mean, I keep making the joke. You know, growing up, I was always told that Burning Man's where a bunch of hippies go out and worship the devil out there. You know, and it kind of had this homogenized um, feeling to it. But being out there you realize it is much bigger not saying there's no devil worship happening but there's it's a lot bigger than i expected as far as the the, the experience of things going on i told gans on the patreon episode about the thunderdome mm-hmm. and uh, how i got to live out my mad max um, you know a post apocalyptic sort of dream there but did you fight I didn't fight. No way, man. This, I know. I, I considered it, but I was like, nah, was, "Yeah, that—that
1: that, that is the I'm only footage hang. that Basil sent me from Burning Man." And I was like, "What are you in? What? What happened? Are you okay? Are you?" Are you in some kind of danger? This is this is violent. What, what is happening? It is
0: gnarly. And and if you want to hear more about the Thunderdome, you can listen to it on Patreon. But then there's also, you know, and, and you look at the art and you kind of watch the people who are watching the art. I, I could find a couple of categories as far as the iRobot thing goes. One is big robots holding flowers on yeah. one side, and then like... Kind of scary robots giving birth. Those yep. are kind of the two categories <laughs> yep. of robot, robot art that I found.
3: Robots holding babies. Mm-hmm. Uh, a female robot giving birth to four robot heads.
0: Yeah, mm. I got a picture of that one. Yeah, and, and it's all over the place, and it's so trippy. And you know, I uh, here is the thing. I mean, you're talking to me here. The the man who reports weekly, twice weekly, sometimes three times weekly on AI and robotics and you know what's going on in the world about that kind of stuff. And then it's I'll be standing there looking at this piece of art thinking, oh no. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> We're done for. And then there and then there's, you know, some young lady or something next to me going like, This is weird. Let's go to yep. a different one. <laughs> like, oh, Don't you see what's coming?
3: <laughs> you know, the, the the female robot that was giving birth to the four robot heads out of its stomach. It was kind of. Yeah. Like, uh, I was there the, on on Sunday and I was taking pictures of it and I had this 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 chick from uh, from Copenhagen. Uh, she walks up to me and she's fully naked. The only thing she's wearing are, are boots. And she walks up to me and she sees them taking pictures, and she says in her kind of a thicker English accent, you want picture of me on robot? Michael?" boy. <laughs> so she lies down on the robot, and she pulls the four heads out and then places them over her body. And oh, my, my gosh. I'm going get taking pictures because, okay, I'm here. I mean, this is it. This oh. is immediacy, yeah. right? This is, this, this, is this is what it is, is. why.
4: Yeah.
3: Yes. This Burning is the Man. Burning Man. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. She had a yeah. friend, from Iz- friend from Israel that she just met, and uh, she's like, you come party with us? I'm like, no. <laughs> no, no <laughs> thanks. Got more, yeah, that's how you do it. Yeah. <laughs> you, you you
1: say all right the the, the photo, but then draw the yeah. line. <laughs>
3: yeah, that's yeah. so funny. So, I mean, so that's just it. You never know. I mean, the place is experimental. It's expression. It's not. Um, it's not your. It's not your church setting. That's for sure.
0: No. Yeah. But I will say this: it was very interesting. I was surprised to see in the schedule um, that y- there were church-related events yes. uh, going on. And not always in sort of a bad mocking way. I mean, it seems like, I mean, mostly in sort of a mocking way or like a Burning Man version, but not always. I mean, there was, there was uh, you know, you could take a Eucharist at the temple or you right. could... You could, you know, there were a couple little things on there that I thought were church services. I could never really make it out there, but, you know, there's 70, 80,000 people. And so, you know, it's easy to kind of talk about like, oh, we're the only Christians out there. But there was definitely some Christians out there. I saw a wedding happen uh, on a big rolling, or no, two separate things. I did see a wedding happen with, Oh well, it looked to be a nude priest but then, like, <laughs> then, there was one of the art cars was like a giant uh, stained glass like church thing
3: yes yes actually very, I, I know that
0: to,
3: yeah i know that church I, uh, I i was on that church last year watching the burn of the man and the burn of the temple from the top floor of that church Oh, wow. That church was parked across the street from us last year. I mean, uh-huh. literally literally just across the street. We gave yeah. them water because they ran out of water, and they said, hey, because you guys gave us water, we'd like to have you guys on board as we go out to the desert. Uh, you know, a beautiful church building. The church is called the Church of the Open Mind. Um not Christian, by the way. <laughs> yeah, well. Not even close. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wasn't going to assume, but... <laughs> but there are other Christians. We had a conversation with a couple. Uh, they were uh, they were a retired couple, and they were on the bicycles. They went by our camp at night, saw our sign, stopped. And this was Sunday. I think it was Sunday evening. I can't remember exactly which evening. But they had stopped, and uh, they just said, What's this about? And so we told them, they went, oh, whew, we're Christians, and we thought if this was, and this is their first burn, we thought if this was a camp mocking Christianity, we would never come back. Mm, wow. And we were like, well, why are you guys out here? And it's just because they had heard about the art, they'd heard about the, you know, the excitement and stuff, and wanted to come check it out. And this is you know and and you brought up the the whole devil worship aspect Basil, and I'm glad you did because everybody has that you know those that that clickbait imagery in their head yeah there is stuff out there absolutely uh but there's a ton of people just a ton of people like any other city um who are there for different reasons
0: you know one thing I'd like to hear and and this will be a reiteration from um the, the flyby that'll come out before this, but you're talking about the little P and big P pagan. Right. And the difference between that and how that manifests out there in, in the space that you are researching. Um, do you want to give us a little bit of a, a, a rundown on that yeah. whole collection of, of theories and then where you landed on that after Burning Man?
3: Oh, absolutely. In fact, I'll attach it right to a conversation that I had at Camp Mystic uh, this year. Uh, we were there uh, with uh, a couple of other guys just to, to hear some of the workshops on, on artificial intelligence and, and different different subjects. And I was explaining this concept, and a fellow was overhearing it. And uh, it was interesting because we were able to have some conversations with him afterwards, and he walked away going, I've got a lot to think about now. I've got a mm. lot to think about. And basically what, what I explained was this, and, and you know, you're know, you right, we'll be reiterating it, but it's very important. Paganism, small p, paganism, is the general worldview that people hold, whether they realize it or not. M- the dominant worldview in this sense
0: uh oh! Hold on one hold- second, Carl. I had a big right. robot breakup time. So, uh, to, okay. just so, sorry to interrupt. Real quick, back to little p paganism.
3: Okay, little p paganism is the the general worldview that people hold, whether they realize it or not. It's 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 almost unspoken, but it's there. Uh, the the concept that man, God, and nature share the same essence. It's all the same it's it's all it's a type of spiritualized materialism there really is no separating points between humanity creation and God however you may define God to be that's small P paganism because it's just it's a generalized worldview. big P paganism is the religious expression of that concept of oneness. And that's what oneness is, this idea that the three that the, that the three natures are all basically the same. And so Wicca, uh, heathenism, Druidism fits in the concept of large P paganism. It is the, the ritualized religious orientation of the oneness perspective. The biblical worldview is different. In fact, it's, it's completely opposite of that. It says that God is distinct different and completely other than creation and that man and nature and all of creation are different than himself now mankind because we are created in his image as his as is his image bearers although we are still part of nature we have a value higher than nature itself but really that the biblical concept is that god is distinct And then there's everything else. So, my friend Peter Jones from Truth Exchange puts it this way. He calls it twoism, not dualism, because dualism implies something else. Twoism. That is God and everything else. That reality is made up of two uh, primary distinctions. And and so, I see those, I I see Burning Man kind of as being called this way a middle sized P. Um, where that generalized worldview of oneness is absolutely there, you also see uh, the religious expressions of paganism. It's also there. You can't hide that. That That is definitely a part of it. Uh, and then you're watching this this blending of these, uh, you know, kind of almost the, the two ways of looking at it. The small p, it's just a general way of, of thinking versus, yeah, um, maybe this is kind of a a a way to view spirituality and the man itself the burning of the man because it is meant to be as ritual larry harvey made that very clear last year uh he's he's actually has made it clear in years before but last year's theme of radical ritual uh he did it specifically because he wanted the world to know that this is a form of spirituality and so the burning of the man, you could say, is that middle P paganism. It's not big P because it's not an organized thing. It's not, uh, you know, it doesn't have, you know, the doctrines. It doesn't have some of the concepts that you see within other organized pagan belief structures. But it it definitely has kind of this blending or this carrying over between uh, the general worldview and something more thought out. Of course, one of the reasons why you can't say it's, it's large be paganism is because Larry Harvey has made it very clear over and over and over again, it, it's whatever you want it to be. It's whatever you make it to be. Right. Um, you know, so while he says it's, it, it, it's spirituality, it's ritual makes that very clear. At the same time, he says, you know, kind of wash your own brains. In fact, he made a very famous statement that this is kind of a, a self-serve, um, wash-your-own-brain cult.
0: <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> you know, and it's interesting you bring up Larry Harvey because... One reason why I was happy I went this year, for whatever reason, um, was because Larry Harvey, the, sort of the the creator, the godfather of Burning Man, passed away. Right. Uh, was it last year, or earlier this year? Early and this so, year. Early this year. And so there were, um, in the the man itself, the base structure of the man was sort of a big uh memorial video playing and 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 some plaques and things as a, a memorial to larry and then kind of a lot of i won't say most places but many places you walked around people had little um you know little tokens in one way or another whether it was a sign or a, i don't know a drink named after larry or something there's a lot of paying homage to larry is there anything we need to know about Larry Harvey?
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's interesting. Well, number one, um, Larry Harvey was very well read. Larry Harvey was a man who spent a lot of time reading uh, philosophy, uh, reading literature on comparative religions. Probably, that was that was definitely a thing that Larry uh, loved to do. He loved to to to, to kind of mentally work through. You know those those crossovers between religion and philosophy, yeah. and and then that was a, a big part of of why I think he was doing what he was doing. Um, he was reading The Golden Bough the summer that uh, of 1986 when when he and and his friends put the first man together and burnt it on the beach, uh, Baker Beach at San Francisco. What that's how that. How the golden bow plays into it, it's still, you know, there, there's some debate. Um, actually, a lot of debate because nobody really knows what the, you know, kind of the creation story of Burning Man is. Larry Harvey himself has famously said that there's like seven or eight creation stories, and they're all, <laughs> all, all, all essentially true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, no, they're not, but you know, <laughs> but but it, it's fascinating how, um, the Golden Bough plays, possibly plays into it because the last couple of chapters of the Golden Bough, the last section of the Golden Bough, is all about the, the burning of effigies uh, for religious celebration, for religious rites. And uh, Larry, R- Larry liked to dabble in you know, comparative, comparative philosophy, comparative religion. The other thing that's kind of interesting, too, and, and something that's a side note, but his dad was a, was a very uh, staunch Freemason. And uh, oh. yeah, and and from what I gather from Larry's brother, uh, Larry's brother uh, Steve, who put a, a book together um, on kind of the, the story of Burning Man, uh, not Steve, pardon me, Stuart Harvey. Um, Stuart makes it very clear that that aspect of of their father's life definitely played a role in in shaping in shaping Larry. Larry wow. also. Yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've got that in my book. I talk a little bit about that in my book, um, and that is a fascinating part. The the other thing that's important in terms of Larry's background is Larry went off to San Francisco in the summer of love uh, in 1968. He took off. Is it 68 or 67? He took off to you know to San Francisco to discover himself. Um, it was in '67, pardon me, the summer of love, and then he returned again in '68, basically to get what, what you know, kind of his second dose of of hippie love. Um, yeah. But that also played a huge role in in how uh, how how you know how he kind of framed his worldview. And uh, so you've got this kind of combination of of an interest in sacred geometry, which kind of comes through his father, who was a staunch Mason, and his father was very interested in sacred symbolism. Uh, You've got that element, then you've got him studying uh, philosophy and comparative religions. Already as a teenager, you know, and that's the important part. He was already thinking along those lines as a teenager, and then running off to experience the summer of love and experience San Francisco. And in many respects, Larry never returned—at least not mentally, or or psychologically, or emotionally, or spiritually—from the summer of love. Uh, Burning Man is a reflection of the sixties counterculture, just refined and updated for our digital age. Wow! Yeah, so true.
0: I mean, it's it definitely has that. F- I mean, I guess it's not going to blow anybody's mind to say that, yeah, there's definitely a a deep vein of hippie culture out there, Um, but it definitely has that sort of updated um, modernity infused, uh, you know, neon light hippie thing going on. I was interested. I was interested by um, the manifestation of the culture, I guess, because, you know, you go out there, you think of a bunch of hippies, you kind of think of, uh, maybe kind of a Woodstock feel with some rock and roll or some Bob Dylan, you know, playing on a stage out in the desert and where there was one or two times when I saw somebody playing a guitar for the most part, the sounds that are happening all around you is just the loudest craziest like EDM dance music that you have ever heard going <laughs> on constantly which is Not a bad. little bit <laughs> a little bit more of this modern like rave type of thing going on
3: well, rave, rave. Uh, this whole psytrance scene really came into the burn culture in the late 1990s uh, in a significant way, especially after '97. Um, and and, and ha- you know, in the earlier days, it, it was a battleground. There was a battleground between the burners and the ravers, and they had their camps about a, a mile or so apart. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and, wow. and then I think it was yeah, I think it was 96 uh, where some ravers got ran over by a car driving across a desert uh, and hit their tent at night. And oh it's, Oh yeah, no, there's there's actually some I real crazy. Remember there's some hearing real crazy thing
1: about that. Yeah, no, I I was going yeah. into high school right around there, 97. So okay. I remember hearing some I remember Burning Man being like a topic where because my where I grew up rave culture was kind of a big thing, so. Interesting. Right. Interesting.
3: Yeah, and, and the other aspect of Rave that was kind of kind of fits into the whole Citran scene is is there was a showdown. I can't remember what year the showdown was, but where a a large flaming art car threatened to burn down the rave camp. Oh no and <laughs> yeah and goa gill who's oh, like a no. famous famous dj from from goa india like the father of Psytrance, ended up stepping between the rave car and the sound stage <laughs> and they had this big showdown between you know, one man and this, you know, this this art car that shoots out 50 70 feet of flames <laughs> wow. and the art car <laughs> backed away and in, in in terms of burner legend that's kind of when the rave scene was accepted as as part of the culture. Wow. That's <laughs> There's incredible. a
1: whole sub narrative. Oh, lots of sub narrative. It's just yeah. totally over the top. And it's, yeah. it's kind of a, every man has to carve out their
3: own sort of mentality. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, Basil, did you have a chance to get out to the Deep Playa to go to any of the 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 major art sound camps, sound themes like especially the rolling uh big art cars like yeah. My Warrior or the Big Cathedral or the 747?
0: Yes, I went to all of those. And I was telling guns that like the art cars kind of like fit into different categories you kind of have these little baby ones that roll around you kind of got some medium ones that you can jump on and then there's just these enormous (laughs) like crazy behemoths that are just the most expensive looking things you've ever seen
3: yes yes
0: um so yes i did get to roll out there and say hi to all the giant art cars
3: Yeah, that that itself is uh, is an adventure uh, that you just won't find anywhere else.
0: Yeah, here's one thing that was very interesting to me, and I'm wondering if you have any insight into this. Um, It was there was an interesting mix between a complete lack of safety regulations and a pretty overwhelming. Uh, presence of law enforcement. Yes, yes. Yep. There was, was, I'll let you go into this, but there's all this art and all this, there's flames and there's doohickeys and there's swings and everything so high and you can climb 60 feet into the air on something if you want. In fact, somebody fell off of something this year mm-hmm. and it's just wild and I'm just like, is there an adult around here that can take control, please? <laughs> <'Cause this> is. <laughs> And then on top of that, I mean, every five minutes you see a a ranger, a cop basically rolling by. And so there's also this very, you know, there's not a whole lot of, I don't know, like drug use out in public that I noticed because everybody seemed to be pretty worried about these rangers rolling around.
3: Well, the rangers aren't law enforcement per se. They're, they're kind of supposed to be the mediators. If all of a sudden, let's say, there's a conflict between two camps or between, you know, some, some just individuals, yeah. uh, they actually don't have law enforcement capability. But they, and nor nor will they typically, I think, snitch on anybody. That's because they, mm. they definitely fit are you know kind of fit within within the burner. Well, they are a part of the burn culture. Mm. But you're right. Law, law enforcement in general. Yes, absolutely. In fact, one evening I watched as uh, as, as some police agency um, with two or three cars in the deep playa and a rolling drug lab nailed a couple of ladies. And I was not far away as they nailed wow. them. Wow. Yeah, had them go into the lab. Um, and I'm like, okay, girls, you obviously, you're, you know, you're <laughs> flaunted your drugs or something. Something happened that you got. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of law enforcement um, and and there's a lot of undercover law enforcement, mm, uh-huh. uh, and and that is definitely a a big a big thing on the burn. Where, where is that? You know, how do you draw the line between between this? You know, the law enforcement uh, rules, regulations. Because you will get dinged. You will get dinged. I talk to I talk to people who have been dinged on the playa for drugs. In fact, last year I talked to a guy who uh, his whole camper got got squashed uh because of of the illicit drugs that they were that they had on them oh wow yeah yeah so it happens it happens it's out there
0: yeah you know i had met up with some people and they kind of had told me about the undercover thing and you know oh yeah the undercover cops they're everywhere and you know they had told me stories about how you know you some some guy walks up to your camp offers you some beer or something and you become friends and you hang out with this guy for 3 days and then you know one day you know somebody in your camp you know rolls a joint or something and then boom the the guy you thought was your friend for 3 days is there and and pops your buddy or something
3: yeah um I, I know of a situation where it didn't happen last year. I believe the year before, where undercover officer, uh, she was nude. She is beautiful. She walked up to get a drink at a bar. Uh, they didn't ask for ID because, I mean, hey, you know, a, be- a beautiful nude chick just walked up and asked for a drink, yeah. and and so they just gave it to her, and and bang, they they busted the bar for uh, for not asking for ID.
0: Yeah. Well, there you go. That's another great example. Again, you can like walk into the burning embers of a recently burned building and like dig around for fun and nobody says a thing, but you got to take ID at every bar or like everything, you know, there's this this weird combination of complete lack of safety regulations And also, you're still in America. Yeah,
3: you're still oh, on yeah. American soil. Yeah, and also there is, there, there is uh, an over-bureaucratic sense to the place in another way. there There's a lack of safety in some regard, and then all of a sudden there's like— Uber over safety in another respect. Like I was out in the deep playa of the night where they let those six hundred and some drones go up in the sky. And mm-hmm. uh, I was watching it all and we were a long ways away from where they were where you know, where they were doing the, the whole thing. And I was on the very perimeter of it. And we had these rangers coming around yelling at us, uh, get back another 50 feet, get back another 50 feet. I was, I'll be honest, I was in a kind of a crappy mood that evening for, for, some, <laughs> for some different reasons. And I didn't move. I, I mean, I just watched everybody move back behind me 100 feet. And yeah. I'm like, come on. We are ready. To me, it felt like we were already a mile away from the thing. We weren't. I mean, we were a couple hundred yards. But I'm like, they're just drones. They're going straight yeah. up in the air they're going to do their little dancey thing with the lights on and they're going to come straight down. Um, what will it matter if I move 50 feet? I'm already, right. I'm already 200 yards from the thing.
1: liability.
3: That's yes, exactly. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I took a video of it and I'm muttering and my wife, my wife watched the video. And she's like, Carl, you're in a bad mood. And I was that night. I was that night, you know, some <laughs> stuff had happened. And I'm like, I'm going, Oh man. Um, safety freaks on the video. And you can hear me talking about, this is the over bureaucratic state because I really <laughs> ran into some of the little little petty bureaucratic stuff. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. The burns I, getting to them. Yeah. I'm like, I can run around naked through the coals. I can go yeah. and, and do stupid, stupid stuff. And by the way, um, I talked to one of the medics the, the night, oh, pardon me, the day after the burning of the man, and I asked, uh, I have a friend in one of the medic camps, and I asked, I said, hey, you know, accidents this year? Anything happening? Well, there's always accidents. Yeah. And uh, I said, hey, you know, the night before, or last night, I was I was at the burn. I was watching the naked people dance around the coals. Uh, I don't know if you stuck around Basil for that. Uh, but every year after the man burns and then after the temple burns, when you have these mounds of coals, large mounds of coals. And, I mean, it's a big area of coals. Yeah. Uh, you, they'll make paths through the coals with rakes, and then people take off the clothes. And uh, there's about 100, maybe 150 people dancing and twirling in the nude, doing fire spinning and other stuff. And uh, and one guy, I was told by my medic friend, one guy who was stoned out of his tree stumbled into the into the coals, fully naked. Oh no! And burned himself severely.
0: Oh. Yeah. Wow.
3: So I'm like, you know, I'm going okay. You're right, Basil. It's this weird, this weird dichotomy. We've got undercover cops, and you've got this whole—you uh, know—the man is there. The law enforcement man is there, and, and you know, for some good reasons too. And then you've got this whole anarchy. We can we can play in the coals. We can run around nude. I can go climb on the art pieces and fall off and break both ankles. Um, or here, we got a whole bunch of hyper-safety, itty-bitty little rules that you've got to follow, and which is one of the reasons why on, on that particular night, I was like, oh, my word, I'm not moving. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah,
0: you know, that's something I forgot to tell you about, guns was this drones. You know, they had this display that went up only once. It was uh, yeah, apparently around 600 drones. I would have guessed a 1,000, but it was an enormous swarm of drones that did this sort of display. It kind of like was watching, you know, the swarms of birds that look like one big unit. It's kind of one of those one night and it was very intense. And it's just another moment where I'm just like with the people, um, mostly hanging out with, you know, normies, people who are, (laughs) you know, And then I'm sitting there seeing these drones just like, the end is not,
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: oh my gosh. You know, yes. That's when you start handing out the Bible uh, to people. No. <laughs> well, I should have just brought
3: some Canary cry USBs and started yeah. ha- handing them out. Yeah, and, and that's actually not a bad idea. Like like if I can go next year, I, I definitely am thinking about what I want to bring uh, just as gifts to, to give out to people, my book being one of them. Yeah. Um, but, but I don't know if you knew this basil, but at 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 the drone flight Mayan warrior uh the big Mayan warrior art car had a special musical performance that had been composed specifically for that flight of the drones because the whole uh, thing was was a memorial to Larry Harvey. so uh, much of this year was Larry Harvey's funeral,
0: yeah, wow, I did not know that i was I was pretty far away. I saw it from very far off and said, Oh my gosh, drones."
3: When well, we started
0: riding our bikes, and it was <laughs> it was, it was a pretty short-lived display, I think.
3: Well, it, yeah, it was short-lived. If you had come around to the north side of the drones, you would have saw this circle of people, like where the <laughs> perimeter was, and this one lone guy. The stuff, one way, lone way, way rebel.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so here's a question for you, Carl. There's a lot of obstacles to be overcome when it comes to just the very act of being at Burning Man. As far as you, your personal self, your camp, your research, your experience, your uh, infiltration—anything like that—what sort of obstacles were uh, the got were there for you?
3: Oh, oh, wow! Um, great question. Um, I, number one, I don't consider Burning Man going to Burning Man an infiltration per se. It's more of just an attendant, you know, attending for a purpose. Yeah. Um, Obstacles. Getting the ticket this year was a huge obstacle. I mean, Mm -hmm. oh, and we had a fellow who had a connection, was able to pick up a ticket in person for us.
0: Sounds like a pretty cool guy.
3: He was a pretty cool guy. I was absolutely thrilled, and, and thank you for doing that for me, for picking up that ticket. Because yeah. I couldn't physically actually make, you know, get to where the fellow was, was doing the sale. And so, I mean, I didn't get a ticket until two weeks before, and that was a huge challenge, just trying to figure out, okay, how is this going to work? Bob, uh, my friend, wasn't able to get a ticket until, uh, you know, days before either, And there was a lot of concern, is this all going to come together? Um, Jen didn't arrive, I think, until Tuesday. She had lots and lots of hiccups along the way. one challenge for her, and I'm not going to speak for her, but I know it was a challenge because because I watched it, was her bicycle being stole, and then she getting a, her getting another bike, which got stole, and then her getting another bike, which I think got stole as well, or something happened to that. <laughs> How one. does that happen? I know, then, I know. And, and, then, then, and then I roll <laughs> up on my
0: bike, and she's like, you stole my bike. What are you talking about? <laughs>
3: And that was hard for her, and I understand that it was tough. I mean, um, yeah, if you don't have a bicycle at the burn, you're kind of screwed because the place is so big. That's really the only way to get around.
0: Yeah, it's true. Um, well, I'm very sorry to hear her bike kept getting stolen. That's uh, <laughs> I literally had not heard of anybody getting their bike stolen except for her, and it happened like three or four times. <laughs>
4: I don't know.
3: It's just a crazy thing. This is the second year for me bringing my bike to the burn. Mm-hmm. And she had her bike stole when it was parked right beside mine. And she's like, of course, your bike stays. My bike goes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, that could be a real day ruiner if it gets stolen while you're out, like far out somewhere, yep. far away from your camp. Because, I mean, it could easily be a six-mile walk back to your
3: camp. Yep, we did some walking. We yeah. did some walking.
0: My goodness! Um, so th- there you go. Sounds like, as far as obstacle goes, is mainly uh, mainly just some logistical issues.
3: Logistical issues, and then um, I mean, you know, every time you go to an event like this, you've, you've got to keep your head in the game, and, and you've got to you have to remind yourself why you're there. Um, yeah. And, you, and you're—I mean—you're looking for those opportunities to talk to people. Um, we had no real challenges that way. I mean, yeah, we had some some challenging conversations, but we expect that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh it was i'm glad i went i'm very glad i went one thing one thought that hit me about halfway through the week and i've had that thought for a while but it really really was reinforced this year i should have been going for the last 10 years i should have been going for the last 15 or 20 because Mm -hmm. i've known about the burn since the late 1990s and i should have been going Um, it was always for me it's always been uh you know kind of the resources aren't there to do it and uh but when I when I when I went there last year, I realized just how important the event is in terms of how it's shaping culture, and how this really is the unofficial United Nations of Silicon Valley.
0: Totally, was there, totally is.
1: Yes. Was there any reluctance because you're a Christian to, to going but, to attending? Pardon, pardon me. Was there was there any you know part of the reason why you waited because you're a believer and, and maybe you thought
3: maybe it's oh, not no, a good no. place to
1: be, or is that? No, that's not your no, that's not your vibe. No,
3: I I mean I've done I've probably been to to like 30 35 different international events uh, and I've been to pagan events in the large p sense of the word, okay? Uh, in in many ways I've, I am actually quite relaxed when I'm at the burn. Um when I've been to World Federalist events, when I've been to Global Governance events, United Nations events, it's far more tense because everybody is playing, You know, they're all players in the game. Everybody has big agendas. Uh, you really are, you're holding your cards close. Hmm. The one thing I found at the burn, people aren't holding their cards anywhere near their bodies. It's just letting it all out. It's, just, it's all there. And I'm like, I actually am relaxed in that, in that situation. And I feel far more at ease because I'm realizing that uh, you know I'm not worried about undercover security hauling me out of the event asking questions about why I'm there. Which, by mm. the way, has happened when I've been at global governance events. That's um, not necessarily a fun wow. thing to do. Um, so it's not because I was a Christian, not at all that, I, I mean, I've been doing this kind of research guys since oh, boots on the ground since 97 right. and doing this kind of research since the early 1990s. It's always just been an issue of resources.
1: Right. And I only yeah. ask that because of the fact that there is a sentiment uh, out there right. that the folks right. that, uh, you know, go listen to our last episode and, and get filled in. But yeah, folks do have yeah. that response. So,
3: oh yeah, and- Absolutely. And in terms of people being upset about me going to any event, maybe it's because I've made it more public than the fact I've been to. Like, I mean, most of the events I've been to, I don't make public. Um, but I was, you know, I was very public about Burning Man last year and also this year. And, and I, had, I had some pretty negative feedback, but I also had negative feedback. And then people turn around, those same people saying, oh, now I get it now that you're back and telling us about it. Now, right. now you know, now kind of getting it.
0: Yeah. Very cool. And you know, you talked about the resources and just to give people kind of an idea, the tickets for Burning Man yeah. vary wildly. Yes. Um there's only like I mean really essentially there's only a general ticket. You just buy a ticket, but you can pay, you can end up paying anywhere between 180 and like $1200. Right. And I I don't understand the system. I don't understand how it the, works.
1: The ticket economy sounded very confusing the way it was but, uh, you
0: you right barely... and it's not because of scalpers like nobody necessarily scalps them. You'll buy a ticket and it'll say right on the ticket like ticket price $1200 and you look at somebody else's ticket price and it's like $180. It's right. it's very confusing.
3: Yes, the, the 180 is low income. The general tickets are 425 and that's if you, if you can snag one. Uh, they sell so fast. Uh, and then you have the 990 tickets, w- which were pre-sale tickets. Those ones will usually go out to camps uh, where you can purchase a block of them for your camp. Uh, the, the general feeling being, hey, if you are this dedicated to the burn that you've got, uh, in an established camp, you're going to be willing to pay the 990 per person. And then the $1,200 ticket. Uh, they claim that the reason that it's so high is that's that is the high end ticket. You are contributing, uh, basically, kind of offsetting the costs of, of low end tickets. And th- this is your way of giving back to the burn community that you're helping out the low end tickets. It's so funny.
0: It's, it, it literally is just like a decommodified ticket com- economy where it's like, yeah, you'll get a ticket and you'll pay some money. Yep. Uh, whether it's I mean the, the money you'll pay solely depends on the source of your ticket. There's Indeed. no like VIP access, there's no special privileges and your, then your ticket has a price and you pay it whatever it the, is
3: right and then scammers oh my word we went I went, I, I burned through probably two dozen scammers this summer oh, trying wow. to find trying to find a legitimate ticket and the stories and the crazy stuff I could tell you just with that was yeah, it was insane
0: yeah well this is great Carl we're coming up on about an uh, well pretty much an hour here and uh, you know I wanted to make sure that if there was some points or some uh, some stuff you wanted to get out that you had the chance to do that is there anything okay. that we're missing here
3: well yeah I, you know, I can give you lots of different stuff that happened at some of the workshops but a really yeah. important
0: oh work, please do yeah
3: okay a really important workshop something that came out of it I'm not gonna be able to say much uh, about it, just simply because we're trying to get a hold of, of a certain organization that a lot of conservative Christians use. Jen and I were at a workshop, and uh, it was on microdosing and entrepreneurship. And so we had we had leading uh, CEOs and and people who have been who are very very connected into angel investing, uh, cryptocurrencies. The list goes on. One of the uh, presenters is a well-known, well-respected attorney, um, top kind of top in the field in terms of, of the legal establishment in the U.S. And this person has uh, has legal products that is that is that is that are sold, uh, very well-known legal products. And uh, this person was very excited and asked us to pray. Now, now you know, this is not Christian. The prayer is not to you know to, to, to our to our Lord is, or uh, you know it's not it's not to God, uh, but ask us to pray because they were engaged in a contract between this legal profession and a major Christian ministry that is used, and they said the the name of the Christian ministry by name, and how this Christian ministry will be using their legal products, and how in essence this ministry. We'll be lo- using these products because they're good products, and it's a, it's a good thing. But how excited they were because this would be a way of, of introducing to the Christian world psychedelic ayahuasca spirituality. Because as you purchase those products, as you use those products, it gives uh, a doorway into them being able to introduce uh, their psychedelic spirituality. Because the the founder of this, of this particular group had went to the burn, I think in 2009 or 2010, discovered ayahuasca, went off to the ayahuasca ceremonies, and basically was reborn with a new spirituality. And now now this individual was so excited, not because the products were gonna be used, not because of the legal products being used, but because a doorway had opened where psychedelic spirituality could be sold to the Christian community and they wouldn't even know it. It's so
0: funny because it, it sounds like, you know, I mean, that concept is pretty familiar to like Christian missionaries. You yes. know? I mean, it's yes. kind of like a tent making ministry yes. is what they got going on there, except reverse.
3: Right, I wish I could give names. It makes it difficult to describe when you get, you know. I don't even want to give the gender of the person who is who is talking to us, yeah. Uh, because we, Jen and I, and, and a handful of others that know the, the more the intimate details of it, we really have to try to reach out. We're trying to reach out to this ministry yeah. because here, all of a sudden, now we find it. We're spies in the camp. Okay, I was gonna that's say, a, you know, that's how Jen, Jen, and I walked out, and Jen looks at me, and Jen, Jen put this together in, in an excellent, you know, in an excellent way she, she immediately said you know we were just listening to spiritual drug dealers and we are just two spies in the camp talking about how this drug deal is going to go down yeah. and how they're going to they're going to bring about a, a spirituality and place it within a major christian ministry and the christians won't even know it oh man talk about pharmacia. Absolutely. And, oh. and, and we were like, you know, well, doesn't this ministry, we were kind of thinking out, out loud, you know, wouldn't they know what they're getting into? No, not necessarily. They're, they're seeing the product and they see a good product. Right. The people putting the product together have a different agenda. So the spirituality behind the technology. Yep. Infiltrating the church. Yep. Whew. Well, guys, that's the importance sometimes of having boots on the ground.
0: Amen. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's the type of thing that you, you know, uh, the concept of that, the, the theory of technology being a way to, you know, sneak in spirituality is something we talk about all the time. It's a very well-established theory that we have. But yeah, without, uh, and again, thank you to all the Canarians who yep. donated and helped support uh, Carl and his team get them out there. I mean, that's why we do it. We got boots on the ground to a very real situation with very real consequences with now very real equipping to
3: uh at least go ahead and start doing something about it. Exactly. Exactly. So Which cool. is one of the reasons why I was thinking back, how come I haven't been going for the last 10 to 15 years? Well, I know why. Right. You know, and just Couldn't couldn't you know couldn't do it with the resources, but but this is the place where our world is being shaped very intentionally.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well that's incredible. Yeah, that's the kind of the big the big type of stuff that happens. I mean, yeah, amongst all the art, amongst all the naked people, amongst all the dancing (laughs) and the loud music, amongst all that, you do have these little pockets happening in there of big agendas. Being mobilized and not just mobilized, but, um, you know, being uh, planned and sort of orchestrated from these little tents of people just talking about taking LSD and playing with computers. And that's what comes out of it.
1: I think we, Carl's connection is. uh...
0: Sorry, Carl, we got you, we got your robot voice again. Why don't you start that over? Oh, oh no. Oh no. He's no.
1: turned into a robot. Oh no, they Carl. got him. He,
0: he's totally. He, they've, they've hacked the line. They've hacked Carl. They've got. Uh, Carl's been hacked.
1: At the pinnacle, critical moment of the conversation. I know.
0: Of course, of this course. is where it starts happening. I'm still
1: on the line here. Carl, are you there? Hey. Hey, there you are. <laughs> Whoa, that was weird. Uh, can you hear us
3: talking about you the whole time? Oh, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm still here.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was it was funny. You kind of faded out into to robot voice, uh, you know, slowly like melting into the robot. It was like, oh no, we lost him. He's he's fading away. Oh man, that was great. And I think Basil took off, so we'll wait for okay. him to come back. I don't know what. He, took, oh, he seized yeah. the opportunity to, <laughs> to do something i don't know um oh, but well, let's funny. well let's just jump back into it so you were you were mentioning well
3: I, I just basically more or less reiterating the importance of of why why it was important for why it's important for Christians who are equipped to be able to go into a place like that, yeah. why we do that. Right. And, and I mean, that, that encounter, that one workshop on microdosing and LSD, that right there, besides all the other talks we had, besides the conversations we had about Jesus Christ, about spirituality, about even philosophy, besides all of those conversations, which were, I mean, that really is the most important, besides all of that. The other aspect of just learning and understanding how uh, this particular culture is looking to reshape Society, how they think—it's really, in many respects, almost their responsibility to reshape society. And then, and then the plans that you would hear, like you know, the what on microdosing and and psych, uh, uh, um entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship. When you hear stuff like that, you realize just how important it is that we, uh, as as believers, that we actually have people who can go to these kinds of events. Uh, and then bring that that information back. Um, the, the one thing that just drives me crazy, and this is a, such a big part of, of Christian uh, Christian thought regarding the burn, is our, our continual use of clickbait rhetoric in the research that we do, the articles that get disseminated. And I think sometimes we tend to focus on what is titillating or what tickles our ears, and you know on, on the moral flaws because it is a place of, of, of whatever goes you know it, it's do what you do what thou wilt right there's that moral side but as we focus on those things we tend to lose a seriousness of what's actually happening in terms of the bigger worldview picture yeah and and going there again this year really reinforced that it, it hit it hit me hard that you know, worldviews are being shaped here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's really fascinating. The,
1: just that, that, the idea of that going, taking it back to that, that gentleman who uh, was talking about bringing this microdosing, you know, concept to the uh, unsuspecting Christians. Was he framing it in a way that, that was kind of like, oh, we can liberate them or, or, you know, bring enlighten. free thought to them or, or that sort oh, of. No, no,
3: no. Enlighten. Enlighten them. And making it very clear that these are conservative, the largest audience is conservative Christians, and we can bring in that enlightenment, enlightenment and it won't, to the church. And Christians. it won't even right, and it or won't even be necessarily, yeah, conservative Christians, and it won't even necessarily be through microdosing, but we can introduce a new spiritual teaching mm-hmm. as they as they purchase our products and use our products through this ministry. Ugh. It's that. Well, it goes back to the Arthur C. Clark, you know,
1: the more advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. It's like a magic spell being cast over the Christians with this technology right. that is, it's going to become as it, you know, as it becomes more immersive and all these things, uh, it basically is, you know, a magical type of thing going on. So man, yeah. this is, uh, uh, I'm really glad that, that you guys were able to get there and, you know, sniff out this sort of thing. Um, I'm sure in the moment, you know, some of these, a lot of things you saw uh, are fleeting, you know, you may not catch everything, but, uh, as you right. reflect and as you sort of think back, um, I'm sure over, you know, the next, or maybe you've already gone through some of it where, where you realize and remember some conversation or something you saw or something you heard, uh, that, that is worth uh, noting and, and, you know, maybe even taking action. Um, I-
3: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, the other, and the other thing, I mean, I'm going as a researcher, and so I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes um, and and always working at, at making those, you know, yeah, documenting, put, putting things down in such a way that I can reference it.
0: Right. Yeah. And, you know, you think about the, the worldview. Again, you know, we got people, uh, we don't got people, but someone could say, well, why do we care so much about the worldview? We kind of already know their worldview there. Well, you know, the worldview is being shaped everywhere. But if you have 70,000 people all being influenced in one way or another towards, you know, a common theme like iRobot, that 70,000 people go and, you know, it's go back home. And it's not unheard of, you know, between family and friends and coworkers, they could have influence on let's just call it 10 more people and that's now you're up to 700,000 people who are all influenced by Burning Man plus you know you got public speakers you got authors you got musicians out there you got people who actually literally it's coming at you
1: from all directions
0: yeah I mean this is the personal part of it this one event could easily affect you know hundreds of millions of people
3: you know, I, I you make a good point. People will say, "Hey, you know, I mean, why? What's the point? We already know how it all plays out. We know what the worldview is." Um, I've had people say similar things regarding, you know, just even Satan's tactics in the garden, saying, "Well, you know, it's all the same lie, right? It's the same. It's the same Genesis three lie." Right. Like, you're right. And we keep buying it, and that's the point why we keep working at this because mm. we can't help taking the fruit.
0: Mm. Yeah, there you go.
3: That's exactly right. And so Sorry. we got to be we got to be reminded of that. We got to be reminded of that. Um, and here we're just developing some digital fruit
0: digital fruit baby that's where you that's what you get here at the <laughs> fried produce section Some juicy so juicy and nice Carl thank you so much my man again I don't I don't want to cut you off or anything but this has just been an amazing callback to our original episode and now we have an episode on either side of burning man And I highly recommend people to listen to both and go check out our Patreon stuff. You'll get the audio tour that I give of Burning Man if you really want to know just how chaotic it can be riding your bike down the street there. (laughs) You'll hear marching bands. You'll hear uh, a giant pig truck. It's crazy. (laughs) And uh, Carl, thank you so much, my friend, for coming on the show again and giving us your uh, boots-on-the-ground report um, what else are you planning on doing with uh, this research you're bringing home?
3: Well, uh, I mean, right now I'm, I'm wrapping up my book, and it's been a, the process of being wrapped up for a while. Yesterday evening, as of 8.37 in the evening, I finalized my conclusion. So I'm like, yay! Down yeah. in, yes, but really where, where I will take this information... Um, a little bit of this is in the book. So much more of last year's burn is in the book. Where I'll take it is I will be developing it into some of my lectures, some of my, some of my presentations, and um, we'll see. I've got some other projects kind of lined up in terms of maybe more writing projects where I will definitely take the lessons learned and apply it.
0: Well, if you ever need a, a boots-on-the-ground witness to corroborate your story, you just let me know. I'll show up there for you. I'll tell them what's for.
3: Awesome. Thanks, Basil. And thanks, (laughs) Gons, for both of you taking the time to do this.
0: That's right. And thank you, you, Canary Cry listeners, for supporting this project. You guys were a huge help in providing the resources to get Carl out there. Keep an eye out for the book. Track Carl as he uh, uh, disseminates now a couple years of this research, and it's going to be highly valuable because I have a feeling out there somewhere – Everybody everybody listening to this has someone in their life who inevitably is going to bring that worldview into your sphere, and you are going to want to be able to identify it and interact with it in a good way. So there you go. Carl, one more time. Thank you so much, my friend.
3: Well, I appreciate being with you guys.
0: And there you go, folks. It finally happened. The final report
3: from yes. Burning Man.
1: I gotta we tell you. Oh yeah. Oh no, I gotta tell you. No, I was I was getting choked up in that conversation. Yeah. When when Carl was talking about some of the the things that uh, he discovered. I mean that that's some powerful stuff. So thank the people out there. You guys made this happen. And this this sort of intel uh, wouldn't have been possible without your support. So.
0: That's exactly right. Those of you out there who help support uh, and provide resources for the Camp of the Unknown God, uh, you guys, that it, it's really, really life-changing that you did that and were able to get them out there because resources is the biggest obstacle to getting out to Burning Man. And uh, so all this Burning Man material is thanks to you, supporters of the Camp of the Unknown God. And uh, Carl made sure to let us know that if it wasn't for the Canary Cry community, It may not have happened. So, thank you, Canarians. And uh, on top of that, remember to head over to patreon.com. You'll get my personal debrief of the Burning Man, as well as the one hour long audio tour. I rode my bike hard for you people. I hope you enjoy (laughs) it. So, if you're a Patreon supporter, head over to that Patreon feed, listen to that, enjoy, put some headphones on, and uh, get into the experience. And if anybody out there is not a Patreon supporter, uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash radio and get in there. There's a bunch of extra material that you can get. There's just hours and hours and hours of listening available over there. So if you finished binging all of the Canary Cry Radio episodes that's where you need to go. There's more good stuff.
1: Yes. And if you can't do that, then you can definitely go on iTunes and leave us a rating and a review that always helps spread the show around uh, or any of your pod catchers and, and, you know, give it a thumbs up or like, or whatever, yeah. share it with friends and family.
0: That's right. I cannot stress enough how much leaving ratings and reviews helps the show. And even more than that, take an episode, maybe a friend or a family member who wants to go to Burning Man, send them links to all these Burning Man shows that we did, and that will uh, help give them some perspective on what they can expect. This is a utilitarian broadcast that we've put out, Guns. We're preparing the people, not just to go to Burning Man, but for the future, the culture shift that is to come.
1: Yeah, we're we're actually uh, becoming mobilized in preventing or, or battling being on the front lines of some of these issues interesting times we're living in and, and we're all kind of we all kind of get to do this together it's kind of cool
0: yeah I, you know i really liked packing up that field recording kit and going out and uh making it happen boots on the ground style and uh, i don't know Gons, we might have to keep an eye out for some more events to get over that's to.
1: what i'm talking about did you imagine that every listener that that will ever hear it is uh, somehow in in some weird quantum way uh, inside of your recorder.
0: I felt like I was fighting the good fight. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's it guns. What do you think?
1: That sounds like a pretty good wrap up. Uh, I, by the way, good job, Basil, uh, on Burning Man oh. and just, uh, You know, making it accessible to the rest of us who uh, are just totally scared to go mingle among Satanists (laughs) uh, performing satanic rituals and uh, and sex cults, man.
0: <laughs> well, a, thank you very much, Gons, for that. And yes, I, I'm I'm here to take a bullet for everybody. And hopefully, everybody got something out of it. I believe that this will conclude our uh, burn our our just dump truck of, of yeah <laughs> burning. Of burning Man this material. is our burning of the Burning Man episodes. Yeah, it's all going up in flames. I'm planning on doing a little bit more uh, Burning Man stuff over at the Joy Spiracy Theory. So if you have not listened yet to the Joy Spiracy Theory, head on over on your uh, podcatcher and uh, search the Joy Spiracy Theory. It's a great show I've been doing for a while now, and uh, you're you're not going to want to miss it. I'm going to get Jen over there, hopefully. We'll see if I can convince her to give us her report. And hey, you know what, everybody? Y'all got friends who are still getting their stories, listening to their podcast, their This American Life, and their serial (laughs) podcast, you need to go ahead and send them this episode or any one of the other Canary Cry episodes. you got to go out there and rattle some cages. I want to shake things up, stir up some controversy, rattle a few cages. (laughs) Don't ever silence me. I'm the last angry man, a crusader for the little guy. Leave the bird alone. Never rattle a few cages. Rattle a few cages, blowing minds and stopping crimes. That's right. Everybody, go out there, rattle some cages. Let people know the best show on iTunes. I don't, I don't know why I said that. I've never said that before, but um, yeah, canary cry ready. It's because of this
1: man. You're going down, Olstein. Remember the, the promise?
0: The, the promise soundboard. Basil. The soundboard is back and running. I'm so happy about no, that. No, I
1: had to, it's it's crashing. But it's okay.
0: Okay. Well, thanks everybody for listening to this episode of Canary Cry Radio. Make sure to tune in next time, but until then, think outside the cage. And my name is Basil.
1: And this is Gon's. Welcome to a flyby. This
0: is the real one, Gon's.
1: What do you mean it's the real one? What are you talking about?
0: I'm saying I had this categorized as a as a long episode.
1: Oh, like a number?
0: I think this one's a number. Oh,
1: before. I had I had it as a flyby in my notes for like a no, week. No, you're
0: right. You're right. I think we said that, but yeah. okay, Okay, do over. All right, false start. <laughs> <laughs> the crash and burn. <laughs> it's just- false start. I could feel Carl like, is this still the episode? This this?
1: Are we still live?
0: <laughs>
1: this is why we're not a live show. This, this, yeah. this live would be just a, a masterful disaster.